Hey everyone, this is Trey Atkins alongside Campbell Garbert, Jack Vesey, and Graham Copeland. Welcome to the Barners Before Bed Show, Wednesdays at 10 p.m. on Weagle 91.1 FM. Your home for late night Auburn athletic coverage from a fan's perspective each hump day. War Eagle. And with that, we bring you episode 24 of Barners Before Bed. And boy, what a beautiful sight it is. I see all four members of the Barners crew back here finally in the fall with football right around the corner. Week zero under our belt, and now we get to wait for the debut of the Hugh Freeze era and the best time of the year. Please give a Barners welcome back to our very own Campbell Garber. Great to be back, guys. Great to be back. So, Garb, last week you weren't here, but one of the things we talked about was what was your football highlight of the summer? Like, Melly went to the College Football Hall of Fame. Jack watched John Parker Wilson highlights till he fell asleep. <laughs> and I, as I said last week, got the crystal football with the updated roster. So, what about you? What was the most football thing you did this summer? Uh, I guess uh, I got a couple. Not any that necessarily stand out as number one. Um Watched a couple, you know, three-hour full games on YouTube. Felt pretty good. You, that USC-UCLA game from Week 12 last year, pretty forgotten one. Really enjoyed that. Um, ran some laps around one of my coworkers, just talking football every day in the office. That one felt good. Um, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. A lot of just Josh Pate content yeah. consumed. So mm-hmm. You said he was a Big Ten guy too, right? It was a, It's just like Mickey Mouse. No, he's a Tennessee fan. Oh. Um, oh, well, they're not the brightest bunch either. Yeah. Down in Knoxville. But anyways, what's uh, we got some a little bit of ball to recap. Nothing too crazy last weekend. I got to see the full full time of the old Mi- or excuse me, the Notre Dame Navy game. I don't know why I said Ole Miss, but that was uh really a not the smoothest way to come back. But it was great to see the pads flying. I'm not the biggest fan of college football being played in another country because I believe that is America's diamond. That is ours, and I don't think it needs to be shared. Same with the NFL. If they don't want to share the Premier League, why should we share football with them? So any other games that stuck out? The Vandy Stadium, I thought that just looked odd. I hope they have that done by when Georgia comes in town because that's a parking lot. I'm not too familiar with that stadium, but that will just be a nightmare. Um, I think, yeah, I think we should be fine by the time we're there because um, we're not playing there till November. But, yeah, it was definitely a very, very Vandy thing to do to not have your stadium ready for a game. Um, I don't know if y'all saw the student section, but I think it was about three rows of people. So that's good Good Vandy stuff. I like the NCAA giving them a week zero game because it gives Vandy a chance to be like, oh, like we're the center of football. Maybe it's time to step up and like rise to the occasion. Jack, Graham, anything that stood out to you guys from this past Saturday? Um, Every prediction I made in the college football world missed. That stood out to me. Hmm. Ooh. Well, we, we discussed off-air that maybe winning your week one plays is not the best thing to happen. It's you a little too confident in week one, and then it just is a downward slip from there. So this is a little humbling lunch pail type material for you, some bulletin board stuff. Uh, yeah, you got to come back strong for the real week one. Last week was week zero, as real college football fans know. Um, yeah, lights a fire under you, gets you ready to get down into the nitty-gritty. Graham? Stay, yeah, stay hungry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean – Nothing really surprised me. Navy's really bad. I don't think Notre Dame is, like, going to be a world beater by any means, but Navy was really, really bad. I have a question to ask about Navy. Uh, do you think that – we were talking about this. Do you think that Navy, the reason they usually stay pretty competitive through the years, that they're just a pain to play and that most of these teams only have about a week to prepare for the triple option and Notre Dame had the whole entire offseason 
to prepare for it. So I wonder if that maybe showed why Navy couldn't get anything done offensively. But also, I just think they were a bad. They, that's they, that's they a were, solid point. But I'll yeah. I'll say this one: I thought Hartman looked legit. He Even is. though it was the Naval Academy, he looked very, very good. He is. Navy's defense is also horrible too. I think they literally only had one tackle for a loss the entire game. But um, I was I was surprised that Navy scored as many points as they did, considering the conditions. It was wet, um, and just Navy's style of play too. And you got the new clock rules. Uh, first downs, the clock keeps rolling, and just like you said, guard they just run the heck out of the ball. So I figured. I was expecting a much low-scoring game. Yeah, football tokens for Graham for bringing up the new clock. If you're a triple-option team and you're down at halftime, good luck trying to come exactly. back with a new that's clock Exactly, that's what I was role. thinking the entire game. Yep. Yeah, I, I th- that's like an NFL thing. That'd be like if the NCAA in basketball went from a 30-second to 24-second shot clock. I think there's there needs to be a separation, even though, yes, now the talent gap due to how much the game's evolved – and it's sort of now becoming like a pro off the field with NIL and stuff. I still think it should be amateur pro in some facets of the game. Did you have y'all see this? That apparently, even though the new um, with the new rules, that you know the intention was, I guess, to speed up the games because some people are upset about it. But it only uh, it only decreased like game time, like game footage time by like average of like five minutes across the board. So basically, all they did was just bought themselves more ad, the ad new revenue. first down. Yeah, yeah, new ad, new, more ad space. That that's a little frustrating to me. That's a change in the game. That I'm and not. I guess it was a blowout, but that Vandy Navy game. Or man, I need to regroup here. Double zero uh, two on team names, but the Notre Dame Navy game felt like it lasted five minutes. Yeah, well, Na- Navy also just runs. The, the, those games yeah, are always fair. quick. Yeah, yeah, fair. But uh, speaking of a week zero game, we face one of these teams next week. The UMass Minutemen came out on top against New Mexico State, forty-one to thirty, in a a week zero vintage no-name team classic, as I like to call them. You always get these random games week zero. And any takes from the Minutemen? Is there anything that stood out? They scored forty-one. Seems like they won the week. Honestly, they uh, yeah. I think they came in uh, with the expectation to be like one of the worst teams in Division One football this year, and uh, it's hard to say you're the worst when you can score 41 points on a team. I feel like I think they're a testament to what the transfer portal can do for a team in the short run. I mean, to your point, they were literally last in the FBS, I believe, um, in terms of like power rankings. But I mean, just they're a night and day different team. They got a, a quarterback who went to Georgia Tech and Clemson, if I'm not mistaken, so he's not just a nobody. So I, I think UMass is a perfect example of what the transfer portal can do, you know, on a year. Like, I don't obviously I don't think the transfer portal is sustainable. I don't think you can, you know, get guy, just expect to get guys every year and, and have long-sustained success. But I think they're a good example of you can turn things around in one year. That's I think, true. I think maybe you can though, when you're a smaller program, you know, poaching these, you know, some of these higher-rated high school prospects that you would not be able to get straight out of high school, but they just, you know, for whatever reason, things don't work out at their bigger school. I think, I mean, I know that there's a lot of these smaller, these smaller schools, but I don't know. I think, it, I, I think, I think for them, it could be more of a long-term solution than it could be for like Auburn, where we're just kind of slowly trying to wean off the portal and build our team through our recruiting classes but I think for them I think they should definitely they should definitely be those coaches should definitely be happy that they're getting a chance to get some higher level recruits than they probably would have regard like without I agree and if you look at their 
stat sheet from this past Saturday, they had a variety of people contributing, which when you see a team like a UMass or New Mexico State put up 41, usually they have a diamond in the rough running back or quarterback that puts on a clinic. They also recovered three turnovers, including a pick six. So that, I've seen a lot of people on Auburn Twitter, and it's very it's, it's very like the Bruce Toomey side of Auburn of fans that make this joke. I personally thought it was funny. I'll, I'll let y'all let y'all debate on it, but they were talking about the Donald Trump mugshot, and it's like when Peyton Thorne throws a pick six on the first play of the game. Would that be the biggest gut punch? Yeah, probably. It would be. Um, it won't happen, though. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to think like that. Um, don't, don't, yeah, I personally don't choose yeah. to think like that. If you, uh, if you can remember, Trey, I think last week we predicted Auburn going 9-3, and three, so you obviously <laughs> know what kind of mindsets we have. Yeah, yeah. We're, not, uh, we're not like that. It, I, I, uh, I have the belief, and, I, and I, I feel like it's a pattern that a lot of Auburn fans get in, is that they, we just want to jump to a conclusion too quickly on either side. You know, the, the inability to wait, and I get it because everyone's just excited or, you know, disappointed, but, like, there's just no one seems to have any patience for waiting, you know, just to see how things play out. I think that's big advice for this week. Um, if we come out looking a little, you know, a little sloppy, you know, or whatever. I mean, if we lose, obviously sound the alarm. But I mean, if like, if we win and we don't win as convincing of a fashion, you know, we don't happen to win by thirty-seven. I don't know what that number is, but it's the, thirty-five the, now. The important number of the day. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't think we all need to lose our heads yet. Um, and I think that's we talked about a little bit last week about this. How twenty thirteen plays a factor into that for Auburn fans how that quickly of a turnaround just by changing the coach is so unprecedented and will never happen again in sports. Like, the TCU thing happened because they were in the Big 12. It's not going to happen in the SEC ever again. I don't know. I don't know about all that. A I team going 3-9, and nine, turning around and going 13-1 and one the following year, or excuse me, 12-2. and two. I think it's – I would never say it will never happen again. I think there's definitely a chance it could happen again. It was a weird – that was a weird scenario. Um, like, having a – just – transformational athlete like Nick Marshall come in was like I think that played into it but also I think there were actually some pieces on that team that 2012 team was like fairly talented still and had just had a lot of one possession losses and it was just an ugly season but yeah those you know, are, that easily could have been like a six and six Auburn team. those are all like 2010 recruits as well uh-huh. so they just grew up and gained experience so that definitely was a factor and I feel like Chiswick lost the locker room very quickly that season. There was some off-the-field issues with that team, obviously losing someone like Michael Dyer, who was such a star, really started the downward spiral. But we were going to talk about this later, but I would be happy to talk about it now. What's How should an Auburn fan approach Saturday? Um, Be optimistic. Not optimistic. Uh, you're just going to have to focus on small details, uh, like what kind of, you know, how how do we look on third downs and in specific um, scenarios? Because obviously we're we're a better football team, so we're gonna you know go in there and handle business. So you, you really with games like this, you have to look and pick it apart to find uh, real areas that we might need to work on or areas where we look really good. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think going specific on that, I think watching the O line, I think we're gonna rotate some guys too. Hopefully, we're in a position to do that, that we can you know. We're not fighting for our life. We're, you know, in control the whole time. And we can, you know, schedule out some, all right, we're going to play, um, I don't know, Xavion Miller, like rotate him in, mm-hmm. you know, quarterback too. I mean, I think Robbie should get some reps. That should be, 
interesting. I mean, I know we're not playing, you know, the toughest level defensive backs and linebackers. The coverage won't be as strong as, you know, we will see in the SEC. But it could be it could be good to see some guys get some reps. Um, yeah, I agree with Jack. And kind of what I was just saying earlier, go into it excited. I'm going to be – I'm so excited to be back in Jordan-Hare. But it's all – it's week one. It's week one. It's week one. Let's just handle business and let's get out – and the biggest thing is let's get out healthy. I, that's right. that's the one thing I think you could worry about would be, you know, say someone went down, but I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I love optimistic, be level-headed, come in excited. Just to be excited to be back in the stadium. Appreciate seeing the Eagles stuff. That's a little corny, but I'm, I'm going to soak in every moment like that, especially the students for us being seniors. I'm going to soak in every single Eagle fly, every single pregame fanfare. It's because it's our last dance in that section. Yeah. It definitely is. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going to be there. I'll be there two hours early for the game for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm ecstatic to be back. Hugh Freeze fired me up today too about talking about like how he's how he's basically like yeah I've never played he's like I've never been this fortunate for this kind of fan base like he's talking about how excited he was like he said he's gonna have to like you know take a second to take all that in for himself yeah and he he's, also played he ain't never had that at Ole Miss no, even when they were yeah you know playing That's, yeah with yeah. yeah he's also playing a little bit of a politician role here saying yes we've sold the most tickets in Auburn football history and that's probably due because of the renovations, but also what's maybe lower expectations a little. Have you noticed in every single interview, he's like, wasn't our best practice. I don't know if y'all saw the one with Tim Tebow after the first practice. He's like, we're not yeah. where we need to be. Mm-hmm. Which I, I, I love very, that candor. That's Coach Spew. I do too. Yeah, most definitely. Dude, I, love, I like Coach Speak. Some people don't. Some people think it's like annoying, but I mean, why does he need to let everybody in on everything that's going on? Like, you know, like temper expectations and, you know, he knows what's going on in his in the locker, and that's all that matters. We'll see it eventually. We don't need to mm-hmm. – I mean, I think right now – we had all summer to speculate, but the season's here. There's really no time – there's really no reason to start speculating anymore. Now it's it's easy. We've, we've done our work. We've, you know, read all the preview magazines. We've read all the the subscription articles, all the message boards. Now it's just time to watch and enjoy, I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's finally time. To see pads flying at Jordan Hare Stadium. Quickly around the table, then we'll go to a break. MVP Saturday. MVP of this past Saturday? Or this upcoming Saturday for uh, Auburn. Predicting, okay, gotcha. Uh, Jarquez Hunter. Peyton Thorne. I think just the backfield as a unit. I think we run it all over him, so I'll give it to Jarquez and Damari and Co. I want to say Alex McPherson, just so that's the kicker in me, but he's if he's the MVP, then that's a bad sign. Say, yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we're kicking a lot of 20-yard 20 20-yard 20 one-pointers. Yeah. I'll go Peyton Thorne, too. I would love to see some fantastic quarterback play and some awesome. leadership. But with that, we'll take a quick break. It's great to have everyone back here on the show. Hope you guys are enjoying it, and we will be back shortly. And we're back. Quarter two of Barnes for Bed, number 24. And let's just go ahead and dive into week one. From my distant glance, and I've done a little more in- inspection and a little reminiscing, I truly believe this is one of the weakest week one slates I've seen in a while. And maybe it's because we don't have the Bama versus a Pac-12 team where the Pac-12 team comes out like how USC did. Bama beats them by 90. Bama has the quarterback speculation. Or you don't have like the token Chick-fil-A Bowl. You have good games on Thursday too, so a lot of games will be done out of the way. I would love Florida and Utah played Saturday night personally. 
Yeah, college football just doesn't feel the f- feel the same without it being on a Saturday. Ooh, I love a Thursday though. Here we go. I do, but I lo- I, lo- I love college football Thursdays. What can about you, can I, you imagine if at Auburn University with a Thursday night home game, like the Wednesday night, the all day Thursday tailgating, then it's the weekend. Right, that would be electric. And it's worry-free Saturday, too. Yeah. There could be some dread if you lose, but I love I the know. dread of Saturday. I also just like I like spreading the board out. I like I like having options throughout the whole week. Um, the more football, the better. I obviously agree that college football Saturday. Like, it's a Saturday game. But I've had this take. I think I brought this take up last year on it that I think that every team should have to play a Thursday night game in the year. I don't think it would be actually be that hard to actually have that happen, but it would just – you know, once 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 a year, like every team plays a game on Thursday. But do you think gives with, people action all week? Okay, but the National Football League also playing on Thursday definitely has a factor to that. They're not going to play a Bama LSU game on Thursday. What if I raise you a two TV setup? But I think that's speaking for. We've always said that they're trying to reach out to the casual fans who 100 percent don't have that ball watching setup. Which one are they going to watch? Steelers Ravens or? Alabama LSU like a kid from New York is not going to be like oh, I want to watch Alabama LSU I know that's true but I don't I, I personally am a fan of it like I'm glad that we have a meaningful game to watch this Thursday and also something I was going to ask you guys is maybe it's also because Auburn's not playing in one of the primetime games I undercover loved when we'd play Clemson in Atlanta or when we played Washington in Atlanta Oregon on game day in Dallas would y'all want that back, or is that just too much as a fan anxiety when you don't really know your team? We had an idea of our teams back then. Stidham was returning when we played Washington. We had the best defense in the country. We were, the only the storyline was Bo Nix. I mean, I don't know. I didn't. I mean, I don't love the fact that we lost that game in 2017, the season opener. That O line from week one to the end of the season was a drastically different unit. I don't think we would have gotten – I don't think Stidham would have gotten sacked nine times. We played Clemson week two, 2017. 2016 okay. when we You're right. threw that around – Sean White, yeah. Yeah, we played we three lost, quarterbacks. Yeah, we, three we only lost by six points to it. Was yeah. it Deshaun Watson-led <laughs> Clemson? Those games carry a lot of weight as far as yeah. the CFP playoff standings go. And – um when you look at it that way and you look at what the product is you're putting on the field week one, it is unfair to judge a team off a week one loss oh, yeah. completely. I agree. You may have a completely different quarterback backfield week one to week nine. Uh, without a doubt. It's like boring for the casual fan, but like if you're like, – I'm very glad we're playing UMass first like week one. I also – I personally don't, Trey, miss those games the – the kickoff games because I'm t- I don't really like neutral site. I love the I'm same way. I love that we're switching into a home and home, and I think a lot of teams are starting to do it. I don't even know if there's an Atlanta kickoff game this year. Um, I saw that I know that LSU, Florida State are playing Sunday night in the Camping World kickoff. That was that's a great a, game last that's year. That's in Orlando, and it's great. But I think we were robbed of the fact because they played twice. Why did we not play? Why did they not play in Death Valley one year and Dope Campbell the next? Like I don't I don't understand how that doesn't ha- how that, how it, like. I don't know how they messed that up. I get the idea of having LSU's home game be in New Orleans and having uh-huh. Florida State's be in Orlando, but have them on the college campuses. You can sell more tickets too at a home game. Um, but yeah, I think that's a reason why you, that's a possible reason why we're looking at this board and being and you know being like, oh well, it's not not that great of a board. But what you said kind of is true. I feel like Bama would always play in one of these kickoff games, play someone 
pretty easy. And it's not like that's a good game. It's just good because you knew the two teams playing. It'd be like a it second ranked Bama and yeah. then an unranked like, Miami. Dude, Miami, yeah. yeah. And it'd be uh-huh. like, that, and, you know, that was, that was a Bama classic because they try and convince you that it's a good win when really they're just playing a. They're not playing anybody. That's why for years people were downgrading Bama's schedule because they would go play a big-name, washed-up program mm-hmm. and just win by – like Mac Jones would be in in the third quarter. The one, My favorite one was the one at Camping World Stadium. It was the year after Lamar left. It was Bobby P versus Nick, and he just rips – I believe it was Kerry Champion, a new one, asking about Jalen Hurts and Tua. I just love it when Saban – because he's such a good coach, and when he does the – him and Coach K both have the – because it's a deserved entitlement, but it's just kind of funny to see them, like, showcase it or, like, why would you ask that question type response. Yeah. And you also you get more – I feel like you get more of those with these week one games. Because if a team comes out, uh, you know, us, example, last year, week two, uh, when a team comes out with the expectation to win by 30-plus points and they win by 10 or win by a single score, you get those great post-game interviews more often. Mm-hmm. And then you get the media talking. So more comes from it, I believe. I love the Florida-Utah type games. Two teams you never imagined. Did they start this home-and-home because of Urban? That'd be kind of corny if they did. But I hope that's not the case. Uh, you'd have to ask there's, one of them. I mean, there's a chance. I mean, that was, this was probably scheduled like 10 years ago, so maybe. A little, a little fresher. Like Auburn, when we played like Washington State week one, that was kind of unique. That wasn't even a home and home either. Yeah, it, it was, was just, just we just played them. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like that. I don't mind. I don't think it always has to be a home and home. Um, like I wouldn't mind if we played, you know, a group five or a you know lower tier power five. At least like in week one, I at least at week one I like an easier team. I like yeah. bring out. I'm not saying don't play hard out of conference teams. I I, I think that every team should do that. And those should be probably knocked out early season. But I like that we, where we have, you know, even though it's Cal, I, got, I like that we have them slotted at week th- week three. So. Yeah. Or I like that we I like that we've two, eased yeah, up. I like that we eased up on the strength of schedule. If there's any team that deserves it, it's Auburn. Like, we usually, I mean, past X amount of years, we've had a top 10 SOS. This year, we're not even the top 25, and it's I love that. I'm, I'm glad. That's preseason strength of schedule. We'll, yeah. We're going to have to we'll see how things yeah. shake out. Yeah. I also feel like it, it, it's gone in waves. I feel like it's it was ours our shift and Bama's shift, and now it's now going to LSU. And I don't want to give South Carolina – I think it's a lame college game day, but I guess South Carolina is the primetime game, and we'll get to that game later. But let's look even farther down the road right now. Let's, let's do what they do on college game day – where Desmond Howard gets clowned every year. It's one of my favorite freezing takes posts every year. Let's, let's do our college football playoffs. Yeah, I like it. Let's everyone give your four. All right, you start. I'll start us off. So I have a hot take, and I usually just go off preseason hunches. And I've been hearing so much about the Big Ten and Texas that I am not willing to put anyone from the Big Ten or Texas into my playoffs. I just feel like it's just too much. I feel like it's going to be a year where the Big Ten – beats each other up, and it'll be a one-loss Big Ten team, either it be Michigan or Penn State, playing someone along the lines of, like a Purdue, or a team along the lines of that in the Big Ten championship. They get upset as the number three or number two team, and there comes sneaking in an undefeated Clemson. So I have Clemson at four. And then I'm going to go, the SEC championship game is going to be between undefeated LSU and undefeated Georgia. The winner of that game to be determined, I'm not ready to give an answer yet, will be one. The loser will be three. So LSU and Georgia will be in my college football playoff. And then at two, 
I, despite their defense looking horrid last week, I just think they have too much offensive firepower, and I feel like it is a little storytell, storybook type thing that Caleb Williams, who's probably the biggest name we've had in college football since Joe Burrow, will be in the college football playoff this year. I like it. That's my four. I like it. Um, so it hurts me to say it, but I probably I the way I'm imagining it. If I just had to, you know, lay it out here right now. Actually, no, I'm not going to do it. Why? This doesn't matter. I'm not putting Bama in there. But I am I am a little worried about him. But I would go – I definitely think Georgia is going to make it back. I mean, unless their quarterback situation is just atrocious, then I just – they just have so much talent, I think. And all they really have to do is beat Tennessee. And then even if they lose the SEC championship, they're going to – I mean – they're gonna make it. So I think I think I put Georgia somewhere in there. I'm not gonna give you rankings. I'm just gonna give you a four. I'm gonna go Georgia. I'm gonna go LSU. All right, two SEC teams as well. I'm gonna go Ohio State. I think Ohio State beats Michigan this year, and I think they end up winning that, winning the Big Ten. Big Ten, and then for that fourth slot, it gets weird. Um, you can go as weird as you let's want. Let's do Utah. Yeah, like always Utah. a weird team. That's that a, that weird. Weird. a weird one, but I, I, Let's I get mean, weird. what if Utah? What if Utah runs the table? What are you gonna do? Not put them in? I agree. Like, they got to go in. I don't think. I don't think that's the craziest thing. An for undefeated Utah. Pac-12 team will be. They got to the get their. They got to get their quarterback healthy. But yeah, Utah or Oregon. I'll double down. A one-loss Pac-12 champion could get in the college football playoff this year. That would happen with USC last year if they didn't lose to Utah mm-hmm. in the Pac-12 championship. Right. Um. So, mine actually. I only have one team in my college football playoff that has been stated so far. And obviously, I think I agree with what Campbell said about Georgia. Um, they're, they're too good. They're too talented. They can definitely hide poor quarterback play. And a one-loss Georgia team is getting in, but I don't see them losing a game. So I have Georgia one. Uh, number two, I have Michigan. I think their offense is just so explosive this year. Um, I think they beat Ohio State, and they take the two spot as the Big Ten champion. Number three, this is a team that I'm genuinely surprised neither you or Trey put them in. I have Florida State as my three. I think they win the ACC. I uh, think they lose week one. Jordan Travis is a beast. They're going to, um, regardless if they lose week one, they'll go 11-1 they're, they're, and, one. They yeah, go one. 11 and, one and win the ACC. I have them as my number three. And then my number four, um, they have a sweet game week two that's going to you know make all of us proud. I'm going Texas with my number four spot. They're going to win oh, the Big 12, and another four-seed Big 12 team is going to get embarrassed by Georgia in the college football playoff. All right, Melly. I'll go quick. I will never buy in, buy into that Texas hype. Sarkeesian is like 2-7 and seven against AP top 25 teams. The whole Texas back thing, I think that's hot garbage. They're back. Um, but I where I struggle is, is what to do with the trio of Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. So how that – Pans out will be interesting to me, but I, as of right now, I got LSU as my one, Michigan at my two, and then um, I think Georgia. You got to put Georgia at uh, the three, the three or the four spot. And then I agree. I think Florida State loses Week One, but runs the table in the ACC, wins ACC championship, and sneaks in at the three or four spot. Man, I'm taking a one-loss Pac-12 team over a one-loss ACC team. In the college football playoff. Agree to disagree. I think, I think I agree with that this year. 
Yeah. I think it's just a deeper conference. More um, talent. But, but well, that's the point. Like, do you, do you think there's a one-loss team that survives out of the Pac-12, or does everybody just beat each other up and it, and there's two loss, three loss teams? That's what I'm thinking about the, the Big board. Ten. Washington's an interesting team to look out here. Look out! For I agree. Here. I really my Utah pick is just who I was picking, but I honestly think it's I just think it's the winner of the Pac-12. I think unless they just beat each other up, which easily could happen. Yeah, and but, I feel like picking your college football playoff teams has become like picking a March Madness final four, where you're like, maybe I should pick one random yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll Wait, talk about Trey. Yeah. What was your, who are your four again? I was going to give a rundown. LSU, USC, Georgia, and Clemson. Gotcha. All right, so Alrighty. those trays. I had UGA <laughs> taking Ohio receipts State, over there. I LSU see. and Utah. VZ had UGA, Michigan State, Michigan, Florida State, Texas. Correct. Graham had LSU, Michigan, UGA, and Florida State. I'm not on the, the Florida State hype this year. I think they'll be a solid team for the ACC, but yeah, my heart's not there. It's a downward spiraling conference, but. Yeah, that was good to get that out of the way. We'll see how that pans out. It may go haywire week one. You never know. But we'll get back to talking more ball after this short break. Thank you guys for sticking around with us, and we will be back shortly. And we're back, quarter three, Barnes before bed. We've broken down what happens on the gridiron. Let's now talk about what happens off the gridiron and how fans should dial that one up week one. One of the more vital parts of every weekend and what makes college football so special and something you don't see. I don't feel like it's the same on an NFL Sunday because a lot of teams are playing at 1 noon. It's also a Sunday. People have worked the next day. It's a tad bit more rowdier on a college campus on a Saturday, might I say, but tailgating. How would y'all's dream tailgate be set up? Um, I can start this. I, uh, I think there's a couple key elements to it. Um, so your tailgate... I'm assuming we're talking about a tailgate, you know, outside of the stadium. So for like Auburn to be like the white, a white tent setup, sure, yeah, or your own little setup somewhere around campus. And that's another the, that's another factor of that too. Like a little bracket. It's like, are you one of those people that likes to be closer to the stadium when you tailgate? Or are you one of those like once the buzzer sounds, you're sprinting to your car and you want to be the first ones out? That's how my dad was growing up when we would park like miles away from Kroger Field. Yeah, and so I think with that setup, I think there's a couple key factors. Um, I think there's got to be a TV. You can't go. Um, even though you're there, you know, to obviously go to one certain game, care about one certain game, I think you got to have a TV going. Um, unless it's, I guess, it's 11 a.m. kick. But even then, you have, you have game day on. You know, you got to give people the option to, you know, see other games, watch other games. Don't lose that on that. Over under two TVs is three TVs too much. Depends on it's how hard, big your hard, is. hard, hard to do. But I think the more TVs, the better. Um, so if you can swing it to get a couple get a couple extra ones in there, that that never hurts. Graham, um, over under one and a half grills. <laughs> over. Over? Two grills. Over. That yeah. So See, do you think you should grill or do you think you you should cater? That's another I question. think it's a mix. Because if you're the one running it, then that's then you have a job to do. Mm-hmm. You're no longer able to just Well, Garber, did you enjoy doing that job at Plainsman Park? Oh, I do I do love doing that job, but I know some people don't, and I and I totally understand that too. For some people, it's there. You know, they're there to you know just enjoy themselves. But some yeah. people have job jobs to do. That's a big task because if you're the grill guy, you can't watch the games unless your grill's set up to where the TVs sure are. Sure, you can. I think you can set, set it up. Sure, you can. Yeah, can yeah but then you have someone up. like me who's complaining how my burgers undercooked because Graham was like eyes deep in the Indiana Ohio State game. <laughs> and put some I extra think, cheese on it, Melly. I think you have to do a mix because one, like I think it's the most underrated tailgating food. Also, 
uh, just the clean class, the clean cut miniature sandwiches that mm. are on a platter. Mm-hmm. When it's 85, 90 degrees, sorry, SEC, 90 to 95 degrees outside, nothing tastes better than a cold sandwich. Like it's just quick. Oh, yeah, what do you like better though? A daytime tailgate? Or like an early morning wake up. We're serving. Bre- we're getting breakfast food. <laughs> going. Oh, yeah. Early morning. Yeah, the early the morning. Ah, yeah, ah, can't do that. Mimosas. It, it, you yeah. you go you go like the the sandwiches. Maybe like a chicken finger platter. I think that's a glue guy tailgate food. After you brush your teeth. That, yeah. I got a question for y'all. Are y'all uh? Would y'all want as many people there, or would you just want your close buds that are? That are really, you know, into the game, into the good question, into the atmosphere. Close, the close ladder, buds, the latter for sure. Depends on the game. I'd rather just celebrate with everyone this weekend when we're playing UMass. But if it's the Iron Bowl, dare I say I'm one of those people who may not even want to tailgate. I just want to be like locked in. Like I want to have like headphones on. Like I'm in the locker room. It's true. That is a different feeling morning that that day. Because you know the game's gonna be at two thirty. You don't need the, you don't need the extra distraction. Also so that's what I was saying is home football tailgating game. also. Kind of does cater to the casual, the casual fan, which I think is good. I think we need to bring everyone on, on board. But um, yeah, it's a chance for, for all the sorority like girls to post on Instagram. Gives a chance for the Murphy Stapletons to throw on a collared T-shirt and just act like he's a football guy. It's it's a chance for a lot of people like that to really just act like they love the sport when deep down they're there for the festivities. And that's another question. This is part of being a tailgater. Are you game day attire, polo or jersey? Yeah, that's a big question in the South, in the Southeast, and uh, you know one of the more pressing questions in America right to this, <laughs> to this day. But I think weather plays a role. I think weather can definitely play the role. Um, I'm personally of the belief that I think you can do either um, for a while. I think I think I do agree with you, Jack. We were talking about it. I think you might reach a certain age where I think the jersey doesn't play but i'll give you one i'll give you one sport that does play and i think it's nfl i think i think you can wear a jersey to an nfl game any age any age in your life i agree i think kind of the the beauty beauty in college football in the south is it's almost like like the pageantry of it like people dress up because it's like a good yeah because it's such an important event like when we went to penn state they're in you know nike dry fit which you know that's that's your prerogative go go and do that i'm not gonna call you out for it but it just shows that means it might just mean a little bit more here in the sec that we're you know we're putting we're throwing on a a polo you know we're putting on some some iron khakis you know you you gotta look look good for game day so for me with my game day attire i'm usually polo khaki shorts weeks one through six once we get to seven that's when it gets a little chilly that's when october's rolling around third saturday october type vibes that's when you can either go two routes you can stick to your guns of the pageantry and roll with the the vest, the Peter Millar button-down, <laughs> whitewashed jeans, and boots. Barber jacket. Or yeah, you can barber. go gritty and go sweatshirt, Bo Jackson jersey on top, still roll up the jeans, and tennis shoes. I love the I love the jersey over the hoodie play. Yeah, that's a class. That's a, that, that, yeah. that's a play that will stand the test of time, mm. I think. Um, Trey, uh, week one, we're, we're whiting out, and then um, I believe we wear orange jersey more than we do navy. So is uh, what's what's going to be your game day attire considering your uh, little sweat issue? Yeah, no, that's a very – that plays that, a humongous a- factor. So last year I audibled into a sweatshirt underneath my polo. Not to be – I was berated. sweatshirt. No, yeah, not a, a sweat, sweat space. t-shirt. Sure. And I was berated – in the Auburn section, as Harson and the boys are getting 30 balled, I'm getting made fun of for my sweatshirt. So it was every Saturday last year was usually a painful one for me. 
But this year, I think I'm just going to, I mean, it's part of it. It's gritty. Your polo is going to be gross. Think about it. You're going to spill beer, food, everything. You're going to sweat. you got to throw that shirt no, and you don't, in the washer like right after the game. Like that's part of it. Like yeah, that is your uniform. I think sweat shows commitment. Um, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be like if you saw your starting quarterback and he wasn't sweating after the game. Would you? It'd be. It'd be it's a red flag. Or a little it, dirt on your O lineman. Yeah. Yeah. The dirt, yeah. Yeah. If he doesn't have a little bit of dirt on it, you know, you weren't. Yeah. You weren't. If you're playing on a grass field and wearing all whites and your O line's not dirty, then something's something's wrong. Yeah. Although you don't want your O line on the ground on the grass too much. That's true. So. Um, but back to your point about the sweating thing, I feel like a white dry fit polo, which will be my, I'm going to go and stamp it. That will be my week one fit. I'm the, is here's the, the, tricky is the padded one. undershirt going on or nope. That one was thrown away. Speaking of gross shirts, that one, it went through war, but the, I think you go then. And then the orange out's always a tricky one. I, I'll, I'll admit I'll throw away football tokens. I did not follow through with the oranging out Penn state's wide out when we attended Penn state, I believe if I'm not mistaken, I was in an Auburn baseball jersey. I just wanted yeah, to fit in an, with the culture. It was an interesting. It was an interesting play. <laughs> that was a that was a fun, fun one where you kind of ruined the whiteout a little bit there. But they then they when they I remember when Penn State posted pictures after the game, they had obviously gone in and like edited out like they turned like fifty or like hundred fifty orange shirts into like white shirts. Yeah, they put a little yeah. filter on it. Yeah. 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 Well, was, so so the, let's uh, go back to that. Does that affect how you tailgate at all? Nah, I don't think it should. I think that's just a. Is that just uh, a mindset? That's yeah. That should just be. That should just get your mindset ready when you're getting ready, and then from then on, it's you should be focused on the game. Right. Also, I've maybe also, uh, I we're forgetting a key element. Tuck your shirt in. If you're gonna mm-hmm. wear a polo on game day, you tuck it in for the Tigers. I disagree. Mm-hmm. I disagree. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, t- I tuck in for the Tigers. I it's a full. It's a full game. Well, I wear the the khaki shorts with the uh, strings and not belt loops. So for someone like me, it would look goofy. But mm. I you're going to a football I, game. You're not going to ACC. Uh, back <laughs> to uh, you got to untuck it. Yeah, back to the tailgating though. We, you know, we talked about this for a second off air. Would you guys rather go to a tailgate and not being it, not go into the game and watch the game at the tailgate, or would you rather be at a watch party with your buddies at a house? No tailgating. Atmosphere. I'm not going to the game. Watch party ten times out of ten. Do you have tickets? Because I think the people that have tickets and don't go into the game are the worst people. Yeah, no. In the well, South. that doesn't apply to any of us. Ole Miss. That never happened. Yes, I'm talking about. I the think a lot of them don't us. buy tickets. I think they just legitimately just go to the Grove and they do not go in. I I, I just They're feel paying like for their own tickets. I've had this take almost that I feel like I wrestle with it because you obviously want to be in the stadium for a big game. But the game watching experience on TV, it, it there's it could be better. You know, it could be better than in game. It depends on your seats. I think definitely it depends on like Whoa. how big of a game it is, how loud the atmosphere is going to be. But something about you know hearing the commentator, getting to see the live stats. Also, I just love the blue and yellow line. Like it's just it's yeah. a, it's such a nice, especially if you're not sitting fifty yard line. The depth perception gets hard. You have to start watching on the jumbotron anyway. Yep. The where we where we are, we're in the corner. When the ball's on that other end, I start watching the jumbotron because yeah, I can't exactly. tell if it's a three yard tackle for loss or is a two yard gain. Like I, it's, how many it's hard. Uh, over under four and a half games that you've watched on TV since you've been a student? Auburn football games? Yeah, mm-hmm. every road game. What are you talking about? Not every. Not I, mean, I, I went to every road game last year. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. Well, but, like any game where we wouldn't travel. Well, that's the thing. I, I, I like I said, I love going to the games, especially in college, but. It's kind of weirdly, 
Something I'm kind of looking forward to after post college. Like, hey, I got to able to just you know watch the game, sit on your couch. Like also, you're in the you're in the comfiest spot. You're on your couch. Like, yeah, and yeah. on commercial breaks, you can flip to the other game. But here, I got a question for you guys: Is there? I don't think there's anyone worse than this guy. When you're at the game and you get you feel a notification on your phone, they're reviewing a crucial fourth and one, and they're like, "We didn't get it." They spoil it because the they, they can you see. Can't spoil it at the game. Well, they'll tell you they're like they'll get they have a better view from TV with all the replays and different angles oh. because also if let's say it doesn't go in our favor, they're not going to show it at Jordan Hare. They're going to cut it off after one play, so the crowd reaction yeah. will be more along the lines. I think that'd be on you for being on your phone. I was about to say a, I think a, the a, guy a critical moment in the stadium. The guy even worse than that is the guy who's on his phone at a football game. Yeah, well that backfired. I was going to say the. I thought I thought you were going to go in a different direction. I thought you were talking about nothing's worse than, especially nowadays when everyone's just using YouTube TV and like Hulu, so everything's just a tiny bit behind. That's why cable's still king for me. I think, but you're just your streams, you know, about ten seconds behind, and you get that you get that ESPN notification. It's like mm-hmm. your team scores. Mm-hmm. Um, Ohio State, yeah. and and, and it's always that guy that goes like. <gasps> Or like, like, oh, we're about to score here. You're like, why would why would you say that? Don't, do like, that. don't be that. Don't yeah. be that guy. I, I don't think to all the listeners, do not be that guy. I don't think there's a grittier one-two punch for college football fans than Spirit Airlines and Cable. I think it doesn't get more gritty than that. What do you mean? I think Spirit is the road dog airline. Yeah, it is. We are we are no free ads, but we are flying Spirit to, uh, and we are not paying for a carry-on. No, we are not. We're rolling the dice. Rolling the I dice. think in my backpack, going- I'm gonna have a polo, maybe a hat. You never know. I don't know Wear if it's shower hat. in College Station. Safe space. Wear the hat. Um, <laughs> I may uh, bring my midnight yellow attire. Mm-hmm. Me yep. and Garber are going to go to that. Yeah. <laughs> Heckle from the back row. Yeah. Well, that's that's talking Aggies. That was talking fashion from the Barners crew. That yeah, was, that was. That was a unique segment. segment. That was a good yeah. guess. That was fun. We, All right. Guys can talk about it. Let's, let's run back to that one around week six when it's a little colder and it's time to do the Jersey or Dalton Boykin fit shout out locker room yeah facts all right <laughs> it's time to take a break before we get off the football topic thank you guys for sticking around with us and we will be back shortly and welcome back our fourth and final segment of episode 24 we're going to bring back a game that brought a lot of excitement last fall but a little twist to it this year we're going to pick a favorite spread an underdog spread an over and an under I don't think we kept track of this last year very well. So this year we're going to make it more of a point in the Barner's locker room to keep track of these, maybe even take them. You never know. But definitely within us, a small little competition. If anyone wants to join along with us, whether you're in Fort Worth, Texas, Austin, Texas, Denver, Colorado, or Huntsville, Alabama, feel free to join along. Join the Barner's crew in this trek of yeah, we finding have, we have a listener. Place. Yeah, we have a listener in Colorado. That's pretty good. Yeah. Shout out to you. And from potentially if Rob's listening in Europe as well. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Rob Cook. What time is it there? Tweet at us. Couldn't tell you. The wrong time. But anyways, I, I, I'd like to kick us off because I have a few hot takes on mine. Uh, let's just start off with the underdog spread. I got Ohio State at Indiana. Indiana plus 30. But that's a little much for a home team with a new quarterback week one. Is that a fair thing to say? I kind of, I kind of agree. I, that's, yeah. And think about this, a hungry dog. I, I don't think it's. I mean, I honestly, I probably might take Ohio State minus thirty, just because of how bad Indiana is. 
This is true, but I, we were, me and Graham, me and Trey talked about this before the show. That seems like a weird game you wouldn't want to be your first game as, an, as Ohio State. It's not. It's not like it's a trap game because it's first week. But what didn't they lose to Purdue week one that one year? Or no, they got their was tails beat off by Purdue in like week eight. That was no. But when did they? They lost a week one game. A couple years. The one that came to my mind, Garbers, the year after they won the national championship, they were hands down the best team in the country. They were turned yeah, off like yeah. Zeke and everyone. And they only beat Virginia Tech by 17 week one on the road. So that's something to keep in mind. Also, this is the same Indiana bunch that beat our own Peyton Thorne on the road last year. So they can sneaky pull one out. Watch out in Bloomington. The Hoosiers, Watford for the win down there, or win the spread. Moving on. Let's go. Uh, speaking of don't ever doubt a hungry dog, Never doubt Nick Saban. I think they've been hearing all the Georgia hype, all the Caleb Williams hype, all the Big Ten hype, and all the Tennessee hype this offseason. And I bet they're a little fed up and they got Middle Tennessee at home. Give me Alabama minus 39 in Bryant-Denny. I hate that you do that. Yeah, that's there's so many games. There's so many games, and you just had to choose them. I mean, I'm just I'm just playing it by my by my heart and brain. Uh, is that where your heart's at? Okay, dang it, <laughs> I, I said yeah. that wrong. Playing it by my brain, not my heart. I miss misspoke there. Moving on, I got the under North Carolina South Carolina 64 and a half Rattler in prime time putting up 64 or around 30. No shot. I think that may be my lock of the week. I think, and also if you look back on it, all those college game day primetime games week one, the one that comes to mind, Georgia-Clemson, that was 10-3 to a couple years ago. Our game against Oregon, those are two high-power offenses. Yes, we had a great defense. They had Justin Herbert. They had some dogs. We had Bo Nix, Seth Williams, all those guys. And it was 27-21, and there was including some great defensive plays that led to some of those points too. So that's something to keep in mind. I feel like this game is always low scoring unless there's a completely lopsided game. Moving on. Finally, my over is Florida at Utah, 45-and-a-half. I think this is a game where Florida's going to keep it close. It's going to be high-scoring. Graham Mertz is going to be a tease because I think Florida's not going to be that good, but he's going to have a solid week one that's going to tease everyone. I think this is going to be a game that maybe even goes into overtime too, something to keep in mind. But Cam Rising, Utah's quarterback, has just been named the starter despite that Rose Bowl injury last year, something that was um, had an effect on him all offseason. And he was a semifinalist for the Maxwell and Davey O'Brien Award. I think a Pac-12 team at home is going to put up points, and I think Graham Mertz is going to tease everyone by putting up points. And that is my place. All right. Um, I'm going to try to rattle through these, um, but I'm going to start with my favorite. I'm going to take Tennessee Volunteers uh, by 28. And they're playing that game in Nissan Stadium versus a shaky Virginia Cavaliers team, football team. Um, that is going to be a UT, a UT home game you just can in Nashville. Count so, them as a football team. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I don't know. The only thing that scares me is that that, that number is only twenty eight. If off, if UT's, I guess Milton's not technically proven, but I don't, I don't know. If their offense is supposed to be the way it's, they, it should be, I think they should have no trouble taking care of that number. Um, moving to my underdog. Um, this is a home dog. That's a hungry dog. That's also a primetime dog. It's the Duke Blue Devils plus 13 at home versus Clemson on Monday night. Mm-hmm. Um, the last game of week one, everyone's watching. Um, it's, a, it's, an like important, it's an important game for a lot of people. I'll just say that because um, it's kind of your last chance. Uh, but, I would, yeah, I would say Duke plus 13. I, I, I think that their quarterback – 
I'm a fan of him. I think he's only going to get better this year. Clemson's still a little unproven, even though, I mean, they could be he's really good. But, yeah. So <laughs> Mobile guy. Yep. Yep. Remind he's, me the he's name. really good. Riley Leonard. Riley Leonard. A, a, a yeah. teammate of mine. All right. I like that pick. Well, did, he, did he make you get him water? All right, I'm going to move on. Uh, over is going to go in the – it's going to surprise you guys, but Utah State-Iowa. Taking an Iowa oh, over. Sicko. Oh, what? Sicko. Um, it's only 45, not even that not that big of a number. Um, there's been a little, bit, a little bit of reverse line movement on that game. Um, with about 60% of the bets on the under, and it keeps getting easier. So, move two points. So, And, honestly, Iowa doesn't uh, – as everyone heard in the offseason about Iowa – you know, getting in trouble with some of their players, you know, having some certain interest on certain numbers, certain total numbers. Those players should be gone. So maybe it'll help our case that their kicker doesn't have money on the under. So it's a new era. And then I'm going to go my under pick. I'm going to go Washington State, Colorado State, under 54 and a half. Um, It's kind of the battle of the outcasts in the Pac-12. It's going to rain. And then another thing, also, I just think I just think Washington State games still their totals get overvalued. I think they think that they're people think that they're still air raid, even though they only averaged like six yards per pass last year. So, yeah. Jack and Graham, okay. sorry, we have to go quick. We'll start with y'all next week. Far away. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So my spread favorite, I'm going TCU minus twenty one and a half against Dion. Mm-hmm. Um, for my spread underdog, I'm taking Ball State against Kentucky plus twenty six and a half. Bad sorry, pick. Trey. Uh, my over-under, my under, I'm going Florida State and LSU under 58.5. I think it's going to be sloppy. And then my over, I'm going Auburn-UMass over 52.5, 48-10 Tigers. Melly, let's finish this one off here on a good note. Spread favorite, I got uh, Washington beating Boise State at home, minus 14.5. Uh, they'll cover that. Uh, spread underdog, I got Nebraska plus 7 at Minnesota. The under, I'm taking the TCU-Colorado under 64. And the over, I'm taking... Penn State versus West Virginia and Happy Valley over 64 and a half. All right. Little uh little high scoring game there in the Big Ten country. I like yep. it. Happy Valley. I wonder if that's their wide out game. Probably not. But anyways, there's our week one preview. It's so good to talk football again, talking the pageantry, talking tailgating, talking ball, talking everything, not talking exhibition basketball, soccer, baseball, anything along the summer gauntlet. The dog days that have finally led us up to this point, and we've earned this Saturday. I hope everyone enjoys their Saturday. I know this four will, and I just can't wait. I'm going to lose the words. I just can't wait. I'm so excited, Jiddy. I feel like a kid on Christmas Day. But anyways, thank you guys for listening to us this week. We will be back next week, hopefully following a comfortable victory for the Auburn Tigers and some wins on our picks and maybe some upsets along the way. But once again, I'm Trey Atkins. For Campbell Garber, Jack Vesey, and Graham Copeland, thank you guys from here at Barnes for Bed, and we'll see you all next week. War Eagle. Love you guys. Thank you all for listening from us here at Barnes Before Bed. We hope you join us next Wednesday at 10 p.m. right here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Sleep tight, Tiger fans, and as always, War Eagle.